How's everybody doing? My name is Sina Palavon. I'm the host of the Talk Too Much podcast and welcome back to episode number 34. I've actually been waiting to put this episode out for about two weeks now. My special guest was NFT collector and American entrepreneur, Mr. Nick Cutnero. Um, and having the pleasure to talk to Mr. Nick well, was really one of, I said this, this was one of my favorite digital interviews, interviews period. Number one, Mr. Nick brought value to the table, same as Mr. OSF last week. Um, he gave his perspective on the NFT community, and he gave his inside look onto what a collector wants to see, how an, uh, an aspiring artist can sell their art. He actually, and the thing about Mr. Nick is he's in your face. Like, he's not, he's going to tell, he's a straight shooter. So I really, really, and those are the type of people I love the most because they cut to the chase and they produce results. That's just those type of people never waste your time and they always produce results. And just talking to Mr. Nick was was an honor just because, number one, I learned a lot from him, from the words he was saying and from the energy he was putting my way. Um, it was really an awesome interview. And number two, I just think my audience, my network will really appreciate and more so gain value from his straight up um, blunt attitude you know, he cuts to the chase. He lets you know how to sell. Like the main point of this episode was for an NFT artist to understand the the foundations and concepts of treating your game like a business. At the end of the day, we're in this for many reasons, to push this space forward, to reap the benefits of this new innovation, to really play a part in this community and to make money, to break free from these centralized financial institutions and make money in our own ways. And art and NFTs have been an introductory course to a new path in the crypto community, I should say. And Mr. Nick did a very good job of get, giving this value to my audience. How do you sell your art? How do you become a successful you know, NFT artist? Because it's not just how good you are. It's about your brand. It's about your marketing. It's about how you approach these collectors as well. So without further ado, I really want you guys to pay attention to his energy and how he speaks, how he conducts himself, that confidence. Um, I think that's something to take note of. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. All right. So uh, thank you so much for joining me. Um, I've been looking through your stuff, Mr. Nick. Um, I'm very happy that you're here. I think you're a very unique artist. Um, you have a different style than everybody else. And that's really what caught my eye. And then when I did more research into you as well, I noticed that you're a you're into digital marketing. That's actually how I got into this as well, if you didn't know. So if you could please, you know, tell my audience more about yourself, who you are, and how you got to be where you are. For sure. So I'm Nick Cutnero. Uh, I've been in the digital space since I'm 16. That may sound crazy, but I've been making money on the internet as like a teenager. Um, how? how? Uh, really started with eBay back in the day. So um I would actually go to a record store and pick out UCDs from a bargain bin. I was just always hustling, trying to find a market for stuff. Um, and I realized I was playing in a band at that time. And the best way to market our music was through the internet. So um, I realized that you can reach a pretty wide and vast audience at a young age. And this was like, garageband.com, mp3.com. I'm probably showing my age right now on this podcast, but I've been doing internet stuff for a long time. So that's actually very interesting to me because I think that, you know, considering where you are right now, that might've played a big part into, you know, your success because you, when you were young, you got into the grassroots and you really, you know, started understanding the framework of, of marketing. So yeah. how did you exactly, cause that's very interesting to me because I heard Gary Vee, you hear a lot of successful people say, you know, when I just wanted to hustle when I was young. And when I was like 14, 15, I was very into creative stuff like anime, stuff like that, weird things. What exactly, how did you make money? And can you please explain to me, how did you sell your records? Like when you were younger, you said that you could reach a wide, a vast audience. How exactly did you do that? So this is, let's rewind back into the past. I was 16. I was a bass guitar player. Um, I wasn't the best bass guitar player, so let's just get that out, but I was a damn good marketer. So, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, res respectfully and not to like, you know, you know, uh, put down bass players, but like you can get away with not being that great and still be in a great band and, you know, add value otherwise. So 
uh, I took an interest into album art, uh, creating merchandise, um, basically being the marketing force behind the band. So I actually created our our band's website. This is back in 1999. I created a framework which is comparable to like the way WordPress is presented. I can uh, I can share you a link if you want to drop it in the show notes. It's pretty pretty interesting to see the wavelength yeah. I was on at like 16. But um, I was just making phone calls, calling club owners like at 15, 16. Uh, they thought I was much older. I didn't even have a driver's license, but we were getting bookings and gigs. And um, beyond, you know, playing in the band, there, there were design projects and creative elements that really, um, really was my calling at that time. It was basically packaging the music and creating a whole vibe around it. And then, um, I don't know, just being persistent and, uh, you know, going lunch table to lunch table in high school and just getting, getting uh, my fellow students to buy in. That's actually like, that's ridiculously dope. I was going to ask if when you were, you said 1999. So this is like mm-hmm. the early stages of the internet. Like you, so yeah. you were a young, you know, 16 to 18 year old kid in mm-hmm. a band uh, operating on the early stages of the internet, learning design and, and Photoshop. Like, did yeah. you learn Photoshop or how did you, how did you design? I don't even know if Photoshop was out back then. It's probably MS Paint back then. Oh, um, and, you know, between you and you and I, I mean, I was, I was downloading cracked versions of software. I mean, I had no credit card, man. I mean, you, you do what you got to do. So I was getting, uh, I was getting, uh, I was getting these programs off peer to peer networks. So I got heavily into Napster again, showing my age. This is like the early age of the internet, but I was I figured out really quick that you can rename files and put web addresses in to uh, Napster file strings and I was generating traffic and I there were no there was no Google Analytics I mean I literally had a hit counter on my website and I was tracking on a notepad how many more hits we were getting and like the measure of success at that time was how many people would sign our guest book so um, this is like the internet from like 20 years ago, but you know, I picked it up at a young age and realized that um, you know, there's, something, there's something bigger here. That's actually how I feel about you know, all this stuff like right now. I feel like there's like, I feel like it's uh, kind of naive to say like we're really into this space. Like we're in the prehistoric stages of the space, in my opinion. So in 2011, I know you started your Link Builders uh, company, as I saw. What before we get into that, what did you do in that time frame from your band till 2011? Because I'm assuming you had to learn a lot of marketing experience in that time frame. Yeah, so I was an affiliate. I just pitched other people's product for many, many years. I did a lot of local lead generation. Uh, I went to college at that time, got a degree in education. Um, but, you know, let's I mean, I'm, not to put down teachers, but like I wanted to make a crap ton of money and and like. It, that wasn't the path I wanted to take. So uh, started selling mortgages uh, right out of college and generated all my own leads to do that. And, um, you know, I got a taste of the fast life at a young age, started making some money, went to Vegas a bunch of times, um, you know, ended up ended up having to move back in with my parents, you know, some, uh, you know, oh, some nice. unfortunate circumstances came down where, you know, I was just hanging out with the wrong people. I got robbed, all my money was gone. And, you know, I, 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 I had to like humble up and, you know, walk home with my tail between my legs. So it was probably the best thing, best thing for me because, because it got me away from hanging out with, um, with people who are not winners. That's very interesting that you say that. Can I address that part really quickly? Um, sure. What do you, what do you, just for my audience, because I usually uh, interview based like off pragmatic conversations, but from an, a, a little bit emotional perspective, what do you mean by that? By how, how do you classify it? Because I, I agree with you in the sense of growing up right now, like we're, as a 20 year old in, in my mid twenties, I realized that time is of the essence and I really need to allocate it towards something of my career. Mm-hmm. So I actually, with that mindset too, that I need to be surrounded by people that don't take my energy that are, that have it here that are you know ambitious. So what, what do you classify as a winner? People who are focused on evolving um, personally, professionally, um, super positive. Don't put people down, build people up. Um, you know, look at business and, and just an emerging industry and realize that um, you got to be in it for the long term. That's the thing. Like we're so wired for instant gratification 
And if we don't see the results that that we want immediately, like we we disengage. So I'm acutely aware of people that are in it for the long haul. And I want to surround myself with those folks that that just want to persistently and aggressively just keep getting better. So I love that. And I actually want to come back to that later on in the show, because um, I wanted to ask you about, you know, there's a conundrum, a fine line there between, um, you know, you have to, you, you said earlier, you know, a winner's a businessman in a way, but mm-hmm. I also agree with you what you just said, like the long-term vision in this NFT space. And I wanted to talk about how artists come across when they sell their work um, in terms of long-term or short-term. That was, a, I want to touch back on that a little bit later, but before we get into that, can you please tell me about the link builders? Because I, I, I see that's like your pride and joy of your career. Like that's your own business. So how did that come about? Yeah. So I realized when I was promoting affiliate offers, right. That I can, I can promote anything that I want really. Like if, it, as long as it makes money, right. It's got to be in a vertical or a niche that there's demand and the potential to generate a high quality, high dollar amount lead or generate a sale. So 2011, um, I, put together the framework of an agency where uh, we could help businesses, small, medium, large. I mean, at that point, I mean, I was going to Craigslist. I, I, I didn't, I didn't, I was looking to work with anyone. Right. And um, took on a handful of clients in the beginning. Some of them are actually still with us, which is pretty cool um, over a 10 year journey, but uh, started as an SEO agency. Uh, basically I, I call it rank and bank SEO. We would just build links to your website rank you for a high traffic term, you would uh, sit back, collect the traffic, the leads, the sales, and um, everything uh, came to an abrupt end in uh, 2012 when Google released a uh, algorithm update called the Penguin Update. I think it was April of 2012 where um, this style of link building uh, no longer worked and uh, pretty much every... uh, Every site we built links to kind of dropped off the face of the earth. So I had a lot of angry people at me. What did you do? Um, well, I, I went home and thought about how do I, how do I insulate myself from this situation again? And uh, that's when uh, I realized that doing uh, online reputation management was a better use of my skill set, my team's skill set, and we weren't reliant on uh generating our clients a certain amount of sales or leads where um, we were delivering ROI. Instead, um, a hypothetical situation, a, uh, a prominent person in the world of finance has a bad reputation. Uh, there's some negative things on page one. Um, we create content function very much like a PR agency to suppress the negative stuff. And we've been rocking with that strategy since 2012. So, and I, I, I really love that. Number one, I just want to touch on the, how you mentioned about the framework of your agency. I, I started my own. I would publicly and proudly say I failed um, last year. Um, so I started my own agency in August. You know, I had a couple clients and stuff, but what I realized is what you just said, um, granted, it was a two-man team, but what I realized is um, I really focused on my ads, on digital marketing. And I've, that's, it was my favorite aspect of marketing. But what I realized, and I talked to an SEO marketer recently, what I realized the flaw in that model is um, there's a lot of clients. And as a young entrepreneur, I didn't know how to pick them out. So I would take any work that came my way. And I, you probably know where this is heading. There are some clients that, you know, you could set up beautiful campaigns. You could make sure every screw is tightened up, but their product, their business, their, their whole direction might just not be it. And um, I realized that that's why I kind of, you know, I wasn't efficient. And that's what I realized um, why I, I personally had talked to a marketer recently and he, he was an SEO marketer. And I realized that that direction is the best direction to start off with because it, um, it gives you more maneuverability. It's more efficient and it's more, much more of a genuine relationship with your, with your client. Um, so I want to get into the online uh, repu- reputation management. So mm-hmm. you switch completely from the original um, ethos to this? Yeah, but like, here's the thing. I, I, I own a lot of businesses. Like, I know you did some research, like the link builders, the online reputation management agency. That's just like one piece of the puzzle. Like at this point, I, I just function kind of like the CEO of the organization. Um, I have like a second in command. Um, 
I'm actually very excited about the potential for um, break it down and build it up. I mean, it's been a little stale right now. So um, I, I think within the NFT space, I want to start representing artists and, and just going deeper, deeper, deeper into NFTs and kind of use my, um, my labor capacity to support uh, promoting my work, promoting other, other artists' work, or potentially even working with brands to get them integrated within the NFT space. So I'm at, a, I'm at a point right now in my career where I can literally turn the faucet off, just tell um, all my clients, like, listen, I'm, I'm calling a new play and just like, just do what I want to do because I have so many other things going on where I can, I can take a risk. Um, not saying like, I'm going to like stop doing online reputation management, but it needs to evolve. And I, I really do believe that within um, the NFT space, like there's going to be a need for um, uh, brands to connect with audiences through some degree of scarcity uh, and collectability. And I agree with that. Um, I actually wanted to, was going to jump into the NFT space for the rest of this show. So mm -hmm. what do you mean by that? Because this is still fairly new. And I think there's a lot of individuals in the NFT space right now really building the hype. Like, you know, people such as ourselves, obviously, you want a much bigger scale. Yep. But when you say brands, how mm -hmm. do you exactly mean you, uh, you, you think of integrating a brand into this NFT space? Like, how would you would you kind of represent like as an agent? I mean, I, I'd represent it as an artist. I mean, it's a vibe. I mean, okay. just, I, I mean, think about Rolex, right? Like I'm, I'm, I'm showing a lot of Rolex. I mean, I, I actually do collect Rolex watches. I'm a bit of a, of a watch connoisseur. I collect vintage Rolex. Like I, I am like in line with their brand. Like there may be an instance where it makes sense for Rolex to start taking, taking a deeper look at this space to connect with a new audience. I love that. And I want to also touch on what you just said also about managing artists, because I, you know, I talked to a collector um, last week, his name's OSF. You might know him actually. Um, and he was telling me about how, you know, there's so many young, young, talented artists. Um, like I, I'll look through yesterday, I looked through portfolio day and I just saw so many beautiful portfolios that weren't being recognized. So how do you plan on uh, managing artists? What does that mean exactly? I think it's the same approach a gallery would take when it comes to curating work from a particular art, artist, realizing their trajectory, um, working with them to understand more about what they see in themselves, what they see in the space, in the industry. And there's a lot to it, right? Like I, I pride myself on being a good picker. Um, I got into crypto back in 2017 before anyone else was really into it. And, you know, I was shouting from the rooftops, like everyone should be buying, get a Coinbase account set up. And, you know, in all seriousness, like I'm, I'm blue in the face telling people like what they should be doing. Um, so like, I'm not even hitting people up about NFTs, like friends, family, like I'm just, I'm just running game over here and like either people pick up on it or they don't. And that's perfectly fine because like, there is going to be a lot of growth in this space. Um, there's so many reasons why I'm um, excited about the NFT space. I can share more like as to like the, those particulars, but, but like this is the next frontier where um, creativity meets marketing meets social and it's borderless um, decentralized for the most part. And this is one a uh, very special era in time where an emerging artist can really emerge on a global scale. So you said, and I agree 100% with all that, before I touch on that, you said uh, you were blue in the face trying to tell people about what's going on. And I, I when you said that, I kind of resonated with it because, man, I, I keep telling my, my little sister, my parents, like my parents, I finally got them to invest, but I keep telling my family and friends about all this stuff. And, you know, there's yeah. doubt. They just, it's not even doubt. It's like they don't care. And it's, yeah. You said that that term blue in the face. It's like, it's not that I care that much, but I, I, I want them to, you know, reap the benefits of this new industry. Mm -hmm. So what do, what do you, what do you, what's your mindset on that? Do you believe that, you know, it's better to just, cause I love what you said, like you're just running game over there and mining, yeah. staying in your lane. So how do you uh, suggest I or other people handle that? Do you think that it's important to continue to push this narrative or just let people come to their own? 
let people come to their own. I mean, that like, that's the thing. Like I, I was a bag holder on Bitcoin, Litecoin, Ethereum, like a bunch of crap coins. And like, I was, I, I was trying to make a market, trying to get people excited. Some people did, some people did, did very well. I mean, I remember I was in uh, Curacao back in 2017. I mean, I was, I was talking about Bitcoin and crypto in like a, a, a hotel resort, like spa, right? Like, and, 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 and one guy actually bought and like completely changed his life. Um, and like, I, I respect that guy, but like, I get hit up so many times from people like ex post facto, like wanting to talk, like what coins should I buy? And like, like respectfully, I'm a, I'm a really busy guy. <laughs> I got my hands in a lot of stuff. Like I, I don't, I don't, I just, I don't even respond at this point because there's nothing really to talk about. I don't, I'm not giving investment advice. Like I'm not here to validate your decisions, whether is this a good NFT to buy? Is this not, or is this a good coin to buy? Like, I don't want to say like, how should I know? But like, that's what, that's what makes this like um, any other market, right? Like, like there needs to be some degree of decision-making um, execution by the, the buyer, the seller, um, and that's what it, that's what's most exciting about the NFT space because historically, um, you know, the art market is is very big, but but only a fraction of it actually changes hands on a year to year basis. Maybe five percent of the entire market cap of like physical art um, gets traded, and and some of the world's greatest works remain uh, in storage or you know um, in airports, say in the Cayman Islands or something like that. You know, who who knows, right? Uh, with NFTs, like we're breaking barriers because um, as a consumer, we can support artists uh, around the world. Um, I, I believe minimalism is like um, a concept a lot of people are flirting with more and, and being more fluid and being kind of a nomad, right? So like you can see like these wonderful physical works in, in, in the back, but um, the tough thing about supporting artists and being a collector is like, if you do it at scale, you're going to run out of wall space. Fact, right? Um, you're going to have to buy or build a, a bigger house, right? Um, you can't take the art with you. Um, I can't display it, right? Um, it's very secretive. Like no one really knows what I have in my collection. And um, like, and if I wanted to go, like I don't know, go to um, I don't know, live live in Bali for for six months, like. Um, there's no way of like having the art close to me. And I, I believe that like NFTs solve that challenge and especially with a younger generation where you can, uh, you can collect display and there is a status element, right? That is not changing. Like fundamentals of the art game are without a doubt applied to the NFT space. What do you mean status? Can, can you elaborate on that please? Money follows attention, right? Okay. So, um, when it comes down to it, like having like a Warhol in your collection, right? You're a baller, right? You have excellent taste in art. Um, and, and, and the same will like happen. It's just, we're so early. It's like literally the third inning. Uh, I mean, the third pitch in the first inning of, of this NFT game, but, but there will be whales coming in. Right. And it's, it's, it, it's all about like, the market of the artist, the market of the piece, what is the artist going to do next? And, and you need to start reverse engineering, like historically, like what the superstars have done, the Jeff Koons, the, uh, the Damien Hirst of the world, what, what have artists like that done and start applying it to the NFT space. And, and you can't necessarily fake it. Like you need to be deeply creative and, and, you know, come up with, you know, angles and, and, and stunts. And, um, it, it's all about building depth of, of a secondary market. I, I believe that's where the greatest, uh, success for artists will be experienced. So I, there was a lot to touch on there. So number one, I, I agree with you. And I love the analogy where you said it's the first pitch in the, or the third pitch in the first inning, you know, we might even, the players might be walking out the dugout to get set up. I mean, who knows what it is. Um, so what exactly as a collector, as an artist yourself, Let's start off with the artist perspective. Mm -hmm. You just mentioned a bunch of brilliant artists. Did you yourself study their works and styles and apply it to your own style as your own, as a creator? 
Absolutely. So I'm more of a collector and um, I noticed, yeah, art lover first. Okay. And, and that's what inspires me to create. Like I, um, there are certain art styles and practices that like, I'm just not that good at. Right. So like I'm, I'm a lousy painter. I get frustrated, but like I can, I can do some okay. mixed media stuff. Like I'm, I'm drawing never really did it for me, but like, um, I mean, sometimes I'll mix some stuff in and, and, you know, drop some resin on a piece. But, um, what I, what I did realize, um, and I, I've actually been like doing collage work since like 2009, 2010, but like everyone thought I was crazy. Like in all seriousness, people thought like there was something wrong with me. Like I'd show my friends, like, this is like disturbing work. Like you're Nick, you're, you're right. And I'm just like, nah, I just, you know, this is just a way for me to blow off steam. Like. And, um, you know, is that how you started? People, is that how you started? Huh? Is that how it started for you? Just a way to blow off steam? Yeah, man. Like I was, I was living, I, I mean, I'll be honest. I was, I was very like frustrated with where I was in life at like 26. Like I was living in a, in a, like a one bedroom apartment in someone's basement. Um, you know, like just think things weren't working, things weren't clicking. Right. So I would, uh, I would just take magazine clippings, books and, um, and just like chop and screw these like collages together. And like, it felt real good. Like I was kind of like taking something old, making it something new. Um, like I, I, I didn't really have like a style. It just, I don't know, it just kind of came out and, um, I, like I, I, I didn't really know what to expect. And that's the interesting thing about like my collage work. It never, I never start with an idea, right? Like it's impossible. I, I don't say I want to create a piece and have an idea. I, I just, I just take what's available, available to me and maybe a subject will emerge and then I'll start building something around that. But like my collage work is uh, like continuous and contiguous. I, I, I think that's a word, but like it, it all, it all connects and there's, there's a lot of layers to it and it's all, it's all done by hand. Oh, what do you mean? Like, I was going to ask you, like, do you glue it? Do you staple it? How do you get the collages on the background? That's my secret. I can't share oh, okay. that. Other, okay. Yeah. Someone will, will jack, will, will jack that and, and, and take it. But, but I, I have, I don't use glue because that's messy, man. I don't like to keep, I don't like to get my hands dirty. So, I agree. um, I have, I have a way that I can, um, and, 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 and I'm like super OCD, man. Like, like every, like I'm, I'll maneuver and like stare at it and, and it, 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 it needs to be like, I don't know, positioned perfectly before I can continue. So, um, I mean, it just depends on the piece. Sometimes it, there's not a lot of like cuts and elements to it. And it's just, you know, it just works. Other times there, there's a lot more um, decision making that goes into it. So I, I can actually relate in the, of what you just said earlier. You, were, you said that you like it's impossible to think of an idea. So I don't know if you saw my first piece. You know, um, I'm trying to create pieces out of these episodes. So last night I, I was going to do one of uh, the CEO of Somnium Space. And I had this idea in my head. As soon as I get to the desk to try and execute it, I lose all, all touch of it. And so I was just like messing around on Cinema 4D and I just started creating something random. And then boom, it's like going well. So I actually starting to realize in art, as weird as it sounds, you might be better off without a plan in terms of creating the art, the creations. Um, so besides that, I want to talk about the collector's perspective, because um, I think that, as you said, that's your first, uh, that's what you're into at first, and that inspires your art. So from a yeah. collector's perspective, you also mentioned um, attention follows money. Yeah. Besides, like, I know attention is a factor, but what do you look for when you look for artists to, to buy pieces from them? So... I'd like to pride myself on being a good picker. Like I'm a good picker of businesses, a good picker of like the trajectory of say a coin or um, I'm a really good picker in real estate. Like I can evaluate comps like, you know, for like or similar businesses, like or similar artists. Um, so what I'm looking for is um, a degree of uniqueness coupled with above all confidence right? And that that's expressed in their work or via their communication style on Twitter. Um, I'm looking for potential longevity, right? They're not going to quit the space. So I've, I've literally been on Rarible uh, for 
maybe a month right now, but like I can absorb uh, new technology, uh, software as a service and, you know, dissect and find, find bugs. I'm even going back and forth with Rarible's uh, development team, like whenever I find bugs, because like I've built and sold software as a service in the past. And um, all of the elements on Rarible um, are brilliant, right? Where I'm equating it to the uh, a Shopify uh, framework for selling NFTs, right? So whether you are an artist, you now have a platform to sell um, as a collector and a reseller or gallerist, right? Um, I'm able to utilize the same technology. Uh, you know, we're utilizing cryptocurrency, which allows people to uh, move money uh, relatively quickly around the ecosystem, depending on uh, you know, the gas situation with Ethereum. Um, but another element that makes this a wonderful ecosystem is that we are dealing in Ethereum. So it's very much like being uh, at a casino, right? So we are separated from our, um, our inclination and, and, and um, how we perceive money or, or uh, monetary things because we're now dealing in ETH, not necessarily US dollars. So for example, if, if, we had to, if I had to whip out a credit card every time I wanted to buy an NFT, um, it probably wouldn't work. It just, it, the system wouldn't, wouldn't work. Um, but uh, circling back to like your question of like, what am I looking for? Uh, above all, uh, marketability, right? Can I market this artist? Can I market their work? Can I build a market through that artist? Uh, sustainability, their commitment to the space and their commitment to the NFT community. Um, their work's got to pop for real. Like that, above all, like the work needs to stand out among, and I've looked at thousands and thousands and thousands of NFTs. And like, there's maybe 70 in my collection right now. So I'm, I'm looking for things that will pop or, you know, maybe I see it and other people don't, but I have reason to believe that it, it's an evergreen NFT or this artist's uh, trajectory is, is going to, um, you know, become greatly enhanced over time. And I, I don't need to be right 100% of the time. And the reality is, is that as I've been on Rarible, like the first pieces that I bought, you don't even hear anything from these, these artists anymore. They're just not producing. So what did you do? What did you do with the pieces? What did you do? Did you talk to the artists or no? It's not my position. I mean, everyone's running their own respective business, right? So like, uh, it's not, it's like, just because I bought an NFT doesn't give me like the authority <laughs> to go say, Hey, like I need more out of you. Right. <laughs> um, like the artists will, they'll, they'll pick up on it. Right. That they're, that, that they're getting run over by, by other more creative artists. And that, and that's what makes this ecosystem fun exciting interesting when um artists are looking to push the limits i am one of them uh it's coming through in how i market how i maneuver on twitter who i'm talking to how i'm chatting with someone um I, you know that in in my opinion is is uh an undervalued art within itself and um I, i'm i'm looking to to build my own stock up right um and, and just be uh, colossal in the NFT space so, as an artist and a collector. Um, I very much agree with you. For me personally, I really want to master the artist space. I'm 25 and I do plan on, on being a collector soon as well. Um, I wanted to touch on a couple of things. Number one, do you prefer Rarible, Rarible or OpenSea? I start off OpenSea because of the one-time um, gas or minting fee. Yeah. But I know as I was on OpenSea's interface, honestly, I don't like it. And, and mm -hmm. Rarible looks so much better. So what, what do you prefer and, and why? Uh, agree. Um, I am 100% rareable uh, right now. Um, I don't even like talking or mentioning other options in the market because um, like I won't even say their names on this podcast because I don't even want to like throw credit at them. But um, with the exception of rareable, other platforms um, make it um, – very difficult for an artist to mint uh, original work. They, uh, they keep the velvet rope velvet, so to speak. Um, long story short, basically all of the uh, politics in the traditional art world um, are just happening once again, just in the NFT space where the platform decides whose work 
gets uh, shown, right? The platform decides who the wealthy collectors would be inclined to buy this work, right? Whereas Rarible, um, it's open to anyone and everyone. It doesn't matter if um, you know you're, you're you're outside the United States. It's it, it art connects everyone, and Rarible right now, in my opinion, is win winning the game at getting uh, emerging artists on their platform. They they certainly have the traffic to support um, just a random collector discovering an artist. Uh, how do you think I found all of the pieces in my NFT collection? Every I knew none of these artists, with the exception of one, um, which I helped get on the platform. But every single artist that I'm supporting, I didn't know a month, month and a half ago. I didn't even know these folks existed. And and what's even more interesting is that some of the artists that I'm collecting never even started their Twitter until uh, until March of 2021. So we're dealing with a very unique opportunity where an emerging artist can be recognized for their work on a global scale and, and actually be uh, compensated beyond their wildest dreams. That is the, that part got me like <laughs> goosebumps. <laughs> so number one, I'm definitely going to get on Rarible. That was a great speech right there. And number two, I wanted to talk about, I think you said a gem that if any young artist sees this, I think you just said the most key thing for, for their success. And I know it sounds crazy, but Twitter, their Twitter, the way they maneuver on Twitter. I think that was fantastic. So what do you mean by, because I said, you said that the way you maneuver on Twitter, the way the connections, the people you're yeah. talking to, you're doing it with the intention of ending up being a colossal figure in the NFT space as a collector and an artist. Mm -hmm. So how is, what do you mean by that? Because I want to know for myself, how do you maneuver, maneuver on Twitter? What advice do you have in that sense? Surround yourself with power players, man. I mean, we're, we're on a call today, right? I'm accessible. Like, and I'm not saying like I'm a power player in the NFT space, but like confidence sells, man. Like that's, that's the reality of it. If it, and I'm not saying like I'm, I'm the world's greatest artist or the world's greatest marketer, but like, if I present myself as, um, you know, someone that stands behind what they say and how they say it and their art, and, you know, I'm just a positive force in the community, like people take notice to that. So, um, that's why I don't really mess with discord chats all that much. I mean, I'm in a handful of like NFT space people, but like, it's only when like, I want to get like, like technical knowledge or I'm having, you know, I want to confirm like if there's a bug or just validate if I'm, if other people are like, like heavier users on Rarible or seeing like a similar thing. Um, but you know, to win, win the game, like you want to keep, um, you want to keep conversations public, like when the opportunities present themselves, like, yeah, like DMs are great and stuff and they can set the opportunities up like, like this podcast that we're on right now. Um, but uh, being active without being annoying is, is, is an art. That's what I want to get. That's what I, I'm scared of because I'm, I'm the type of person that goes 700%. If you show me motivation, I break, I'm going all out. Yeah. But in, in this sense, I've learned some in my past in the hard way when you're reaching out to people like you got to you got to play the man. You got to know it. You know, got to play the game very well. So what do you how do you suggest as a young artist? I'm probably going to use this as advice. How do we not be annoying? I feel like I, I, I talk a little bit too much in my DMs and just add value in every interaction. That's all you got to do. Like, um, yeah, just let let your uniqueness shine through like, like, I don't know. I can't really describe it. Like just be yourself. It sounds so cliche. Right. But, but like, I'm the same guy in real life as I am on Twitter. Right. Like I juggle two iPhones. Like I run a bunch of businesses. I remain accessible. Like, it, you know, the funny thing is like, this is so funny. Like, I have people who do follow me. They just assume that I'm like full-time NFT, right? And like, I know, well, I mean, for the audience, that's, that's not true, right? It's not true at all, right? But, but I'm, I, I've created a scenario where I'm, I've, I'm becoming omnipresent, right? So every time they log into Twitter, my tweets are just, you know, infiltrating up. So you know, I could be on a phone call or, you know, doing, you know, at a law firm, locking down a deal, you know, getting, getting paid on a real estate transaction. And like, there is an audience that's consuming my content or art 
um, that's kind of working in the background. And um, that's kind of really my, my strategy is to, is to let the social network work for me and not let it work uh, against me because um, Twitter historically has just been an cesspool. It's been a very negative place of people complaining. And I, I really do believe that we're in a renaissance period in the NFT space where um, people are really coming together and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And like, I can, I can share this and be vulnerable. Like I, I, I needed to take a quarter off of social media. Like I got really caught up in, in some like really bad dialogues, like fighting with people on Facebook, you know, oh, yeah. it just, it just became like, like social media. Um, man, it was like the blues, man. It really got me down. I was going to bed angry, fighting with strangers, people that didn't even matter in my life. And then like I, I discovered like how active the NFT community is, especially on Twitter. And like you have amazing artists, creative people. Um, there's a business component to it, right? We're trying to generate sales and generate, you know, buzz and, and, and second, second market trade, um, you know, opportunities. Um, and everyone is just so warm and welcoming on a global scale. And I, I, I said, hey, this is something that I can... I can get into, you know, I changed my handles to, you know, at Nikki papers, NFT, like I'm, I'm full blown in it because I feel as though at this point in my life, I actually have a purpose to be on social media. So one thing I noticed about, I know I'm not, I'm, I know it seems like you're always going to be involved in certain investments, but I feel like your passion is, is like one in the NFT space. Like if there was ever a situation where maybe, you know, your finances would, you know, increase or stay the same and you could stay in the NFT space, would you do it? like go full on 100%. I mean, listen, I mean, the reality is, I mean, I believe it has the capacity to produce a substantial amount of income. Um, but the, the, the reality is I'm, I'm at a point where I don't need to create art or sell art to support my lifestyle. And that's what I think that's what makes me dangerous in the NFT game, right? Is that I create because I want to. Like someone buying my NFT isn't going to change my life. Let's just call it what it is. Um, and I'm not saying that to sound like a, like a dick, but like it allows me to, it allows me to create freely. Like I'm doing it as a, as, as a labor of love. I'm minting because I want to mint, uh, not because I, I need the income or I need to flip another artist's work. Like I, I, I do this because it, it makes sense for me right now. And like, I mean, you can see the background, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm a patron of the arts as it is. So, um, like, that. yeah, day, day to day, like, um, I don't know, man, like, uh, I'll just shoot you straight. Like I'm, I'm really a real estate guy. Like there's, there's a lot more money in that industry, but I don't know. Like I can, I don't want to say I can do both, but like, I, I wear a lot of hats. I have my hands on a lot of different things. And, um, what, what really, attracts me to uh the nft space is that it's a, it's for for once in my life it's not really about the money it's about it's about the creativity it's about the marketing side of it and it, it just allows me um in a in a um i don't know it's it's got to be and there's competitive elements to it is as well and it's just it's just calling me and has been, and I got the bug bit me. So I'm in. <laughs> no, I I'm 100% with you. Um, I do think though, um, I love what you said as well, that, you know, you were very straight up that, you know, your money, you're, you're focused on your real estate as well for your money. I do believe that though, that we don't know how much money, and I am granted, I'm saying this as an optimist and I'm a little bit biased. Uh, mm -hmm. and I, I know the transactional value of a house or a property, but you know, I'm starting seeing a lot of artists, like I'm talking about the one percenters that are, are selling outrageous works, like outrageous. Yeah. So, you know, I think, you know, I don't know the, the ceiling on this, but one thing I, I really loved about uh, you in this interview is what I'm getting is there's there's one part of my life that I'm really trying to focus on for my career. And that's um, doing everything in, in a pragmatic and objective manner. And I yeah. see you as a very pragmatic and efficient person, like the way you were talking, like, you're not going to you're not going to waste your time on someone that's just not about it themselves. And that's really what I, I actually took the most from this interview is, yes, you gave me a lot of good game, but I really loved how like just in your tone of voice, like you're just pragmatic, like to the point and let's get it. Um, I want to ask you to end this interview. What are your goals a year from now in this NFT space? Where do you see yourself and, and what vision do you have in your head for this? Oh, man. That's something I, I mean, I want to, I want to actually think about 
that before just answering like within like a knee jerk reaction. And I don't, I can't say, I don't know. Right. Because like, we're kind of at this like critical mass with NFTs where people are gaining awareness, right. Artists are gaining traction. Um, Twitter followings are, are doubling in like week, week periods. Right. Like we're, we're, we're great. Yeah, we're bre- we're breaking. Well, just reverse engineer what I'm doing on Twitter, right? I've I've, I've laid the popcorn trail. Just you know, I don't want to say like do do as I do. Like I will. find your own style, but like borrow, right? Like yes, all sir. art is theft anyway. So I mean, let's <laughs> you know if if you can like borrow and steal or take you know a strategy of what I'm doing, like apply it because like it, it is working, right? I appreciate um, you. Um. A year from now, like if, if, if I was to assume that like it's going to take the path that crypto did from like 2017, 2018, there, you know, there may be a bear market every now and then. Um, but let's just restrict it to rareable. Like I want to be the most, um, distinguished collector first. I love Um, Yeah. the, The most distinguished collector uh i'm discerning with my approach like nfts do not end up in my collection by accident like let's just get that straight like i i gotta vibe with it right i gotta vibe with the artist i gotta i just gotta feel it out and um so above all like i want to be i want to be a good picker right like and that that helps me become a better artist and then beyond um you know collecting i just want to put out like dope pieces and i want to keep my market somewhat scarce i don't want to overly saturate like i want to i want to get involved in like the secondary market trades on my own stuff so um this week i'm actually buying stuff back from people that are flipping and like like i'm I'm a serious trader, man. Like I'm a serious business guy. And like, I can tell, tell you and the audience, like this NFT space is like, yeah, it's fun. It's creative, but like, there's going to be some ruthless trades and actions happening. It's like playing poker, right? What do you when, mean? Like, like the art? Like with the Oh, pieces? heck yeah, man. Like, heck yeah. Like, like on, on, it's going to function just like the art world where, where people are going to be coming in with over the top bids, like, um, you know, spending like hundreds of thousands of, 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 of ETH on, on pieces because the, the artist is blowing up where the, the collector, you know, can get attention for themselves, even if they overspend. But like, um, I mean, it's called rareable for a reason, right? Like we, we, we want and appreciate like rare and highly sought after NFTs, but like, um, there is uh, there is a a profit component to this, and when 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 people start waking up and realizing that this is this is a game, right? And and um, you know I'm just going to put it out there, like if you bring the most money to the dice game, or you come early and collect everyone else's money, like you'll probably stand a good chance of winning the game. Where you collect all the best NFTs, you flip a couple, you, you reinvest, right? It's like a flywheel. It just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and moves and moves and moves faster. So I think it's very important for anyone watching to start studying the buying patterns of like the big buyers on Rarible right now and understand their analytics. And like, this may be going over a lot of people's heads, but like, it's all transparent. Sales history is there. You need to yeah. analyze the artist's sales history. You need to a- analyze the account holder's sales history, right? The like feature is a good indicator. Like how many hearts, like a, they just rolled that out maybe a week ago on Rarible as to the velocity a piece may take. Um, homepage traffic on Rarible is real, right? It's very, very, very real. You right mean, what do you mean by homepage traffic? Like your post will get shown on the homepage. Yeah. If it's a good enough piece. Right. So like I'm listing pieces for sale, right. At like one ETH, 1.2 ETH, um, you know, on some tweaks, right. I'm, I'm into that collectible, um, above any other collectible on rareable right now. I, I think tweaks are going to be, um, big. Um, I, I, I like what the artist is doing. Uh, and I'm not really into collectibles all that much. I'd much prefer like 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 original pieces from artists, but like um, they're all one of ones, these tweaks, right? These collectibles and simply like putting them out, like 
uh, at like one, one ETH, 1.2 ETH, like I'm getting a lot of homepage traffic. I'm getting a lot of people to buy, hit the like button. So, um, I, I should, I'm going to rewind when I was talking about like the Shopify component of Rarible being like the framework to like sell or resell NFTs, but it's also like Pinterest in many ways where you don't have to spend a dime to get on Rarible and hit the like button and just curate like this, like wonderful board of likes and get a lot of traffic to your profile. So there, there are many strategies that you can use to uh, market yourself, market others. And I, I believe that the most success an individual, whether they're an artist or a collector, um, will have on the platform is their ability to transcend multiple positions on that playing field. Uh, to be the best artist, you're going to have to collect at some point. You're going to have to, right? You're going to have to support other artists and put and invest back into the ecosystem. Um, you know, to be the, the best collector, right? At some point, it, it's going to make sense to uh, conceptualize an idea to mint original work. Doesn't that's where you have an advantage? It doesn't have to be art, right? It can be it can be whatever, right? It's to be determined, right? I mean, for a guy like yourself, you could put a podcast episode out as an NFT and 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 have the the link in your unlock, right? So, I believe for content creators, there's a you know, the sky's the limit in terms of creativity um, as, as to how you choose to monetize through NFTs or um, build an audience around whatever you're doing and um, leverage the pre-existing traffic that's on Rarible right now to, um, I don't know, to achieve success in, in whatever you're looking to pursue. So Rarible has kind of like an algorithm, uh, like it's similar to YouTube in a sense. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Um, I'm definitely going to look more into that. And I wanted to, I was one more question, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, Man, I, I can keep going. Oh, sorry. But yeah, me too. I, I really could yeah. too. I know that you're, you're busy. So I want to. No, it's all, it's all good. I mean, respectfully, the name of the podcast is talk, it's too, talk much. too much. Yeah, it's, I know. It's all good. So if you want to keep talking, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll keep, I'll keep, I'll keep talking as well. So I have, um, I just, okay. So start off the I wanted to ask some constructive criticism. Um, sure. I know for a fact, just off the bat, that my my first piece um, is nowhere near as good as other artists, but I wasn't banking for that. Um, I published my piece and I, I listed it, and this was very bold, uh, for 10 Ethereum because it was, uh, just so you know, it was because of, it was Francis Ngannou's head coach. Francis mm -hmm. Ngannou won the heavyweight championship in March, 30, March 31st. His head coach came on my show um, and he I clipped, a, uh, what I did is I created a beautiful scene actually of of my studio, like of the wall of my studio. And I made it, I remade it into cinema 4d and I put a clip up. And the reason I, I sold it for 10, I, I put it up for 10 Ethereum is because I coach and I wanted to split the profits. I wanted to make it money. Yeah. Now I got a lot of heat for that, like ridiculous amount saying, Oh, that's outrageous. Who are you? No one. Why would you list it for 10 Ethereum? And I felt I actually got, you know, my confidence kind of went yeah. a little bit down. So I was going to ask you, I know it's bold, but and I, my next one, I'm going to do no no minimum price. But I was going to ask you, what do you think of me doing that? Is it is it that bad? Or I, I was I was confused on the slander I got from it. Doesn't make a difference. I mean, I listed my first piece for 10 Ethereum. It was the first piece that I minted. I listed it for 10, 10 Ethereum. Um, typically, like an artist first piece, like is like your your retirement account. So to that's speak. what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. But like the key is you got to support your market. So like, like price accordingly. Right. So like, I realized that like my second piece, my, my second piece can't be 10 Ethereum. It's just not going to make any sense. I'll never, I'll never sell another piece, but like, it's kind of like bookends, right? Like where you, you have like this really heavy one that 10 Ethereum, and then you have like some light ones, like, like, but so you're trying to like compress and like, like, make a market and sometimes you can dangle out like something for 10 ethereum to create like i don't know perceive, perceived value oh, but yeah. like the, the the thing is is like it's got like the the art's got a hit right like that's the thing so like and i noticed there are some artists where um, there, there's like no social following no activity on the platform yet they want like 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 one eth like for every one of their piece and i'm like it's, it's nice. I actually like it in my collection, but like, 
the artists like and the 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 my analysis you know indicates that that even though the work is good um there will be um their market will be illiquid right like there's no there's no point in 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 supporting the artists or or even keeping it in my collection if 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 there um isn't an indicator of upward traje trajectory so in that sense, I was going to do my next piece. I was going to do no minimum price and I was just going to do very low ones. But I, I, I had the same thought you did. I was like, let them talk because whatever I sell my other ones for, I'll just keep this at 10 ETH. And if this sells in a year, two years, you know, well, I'm not even looking to sell it. But it was just like you said, um, it was my first piece. And that, that was my whole whole mindset on that. Yep. And one more question really quickly. In terms of uh, this art space, what do you think of, of the virtual worlds? Have you thought about that direction of NFTs and art going in, in there? So the great thing about NFTs, there's something for everyone, right? So I'm not into virtual worlds, right? I'm into real life, right? Real life is exciting enough for me. But what's fascinating is like, if you're into like basketball trading cards, right? There, 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 there's NFTs for you. If you're into like emerging artists and like, like new art creation, like there's, there's, there's like a segment for you, um, with virtual worlds and things like that. Like there is an absolute market for it. Like there's an absolute market for collectibles, like within virtual worlds. So this we already know from like video games and, and stuff like that. So, um, what, what I believe um, is going to happen within the NFT space is that there's going to be silos of like, of like collectible or like um, series interest. So um, for, here's an example. Like I, I started collecting Pez dispensers as uh, like a teenager, um, even as a kid, I, you know, I save them. I'm, I'm, I've always been a bit of a collector. But, but even like on, on eBay, like I started noticing like there, there is like a community around people who collect Pez dispensers. So to answer your question, yes, without a doubt, absolutely. Um, and to expand on that, I, I believe as the NFT industry matures, there will be something for everyone. In, in the sense of like there's NFTs are going to um, integrate themselves in all, a lot of other industries, not just art, you're saying? Absolutely. So like we as humans want to collect, we want to show, right? So it's the reason why we save concerts, concert ticket stubs, right? When, when people were going to concerts, um, you know, same holds true for, you know, the NFT space. I mean, there's so many ways to be creative um, and connect with audiences where instead of like holding like a ticket stub, like in, uh, you know, like, like, uh, you know, the drawer of like, you know, where you keep your, you know, your socks, like as a, as a memento, like that may end up in a scrapbook or something like that. Like maybe you, you keep like, you keep it as a digital token that you could show off that you were at a specific event. Maybe you can trade it with, you know, other people. I mean, th there are so many different markets from like vintage, like concert t-shirts or, or like things like that, that, that become rare, become, like the glue that binds within an enthusiast community. Um, I very, I very much agree with that. I want to really quickly say in terms of uh, selling my podcast, I was thinking, you said this earlier as an NFT and putting the link as an unlockable. I was very much thinking of that. The only thing is, I don't know if it's super efficient. I don't know if I can get someone to, to get into it. That's why I said, let me publish my podcast the original way and create these pieces on the side. But I think that there's going to be a medium because like Audius and there's many other platforms there's going to be a medium for podcasters as well to release their shows as NFTs. But, you know, I think I have like one or two minutes left, so I'm going to wrap this up. Um, sure. I very much appreciate you, you know, giving me some advice coming on here and doing this interview with me. Um, mm -hmm. I was actually like one of the first interviews where I actually just lost track of time. I went the full hour. So I really appreciate it. And I, from the bottom of my heart, I actually had a very good time. Likewise, this was great. Hopefully, um, you know, this hits someone that that needs to get this information um you know I, I i tried to be open kimono as as much as possible and you know being that this is a new industry um you know i'm a student of the game so um you know i've only been at this for uh for a little bit but 
I'm very excited to see where the future is going in the NFT space. I, I'm with you as well. I love the student of the game phrase. I think that's the best way to describe it. Um, I really appreciate you. I'm going to get this out probably next week or the week after. It might be two weeks. I want to have it uh, have it have its own week so you know it gets proper exposure. But the week is posted just in apologies in advance. I'm going to post one IGTV and like two or three reels. So mm -hmm. sorry if you get a lot of notifications. I don't mean to good. bother you. It's all good. Thank you so much, Mr. Nick. I appreciate you so much. It was a pleasure talking to you. Likewise. Thanks. Thank you, sir. Mm -hmm. Have a good day.